Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. How have you been, Doug? I've been well. I've been uh, catching up on The Undertaker this last week. Yes, yeah, so and we mentioned this week we're going to talk about The Undertaker and his career and why we're such huge fans, especially you. He is your guy. He is. He is, he is one of the key reasons I got into wrestling in the first place. You know, he's one of the reasons that I like came back after so long as well. You know, I had a dark age of mine where I didn't really watch wrestling. And then, thanks to you primarily, but also the dead man, I came back. It, it brought life back into it, me, into it for me, oddly enough. Yeah, and you know, and um, so when when we started hanging out, when was it? What what WrestleMania was it that? Uh, it was a few years back because CM Punk was still there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I would say I think the first WrestleMania that we were hanging out for was. 27 27 or 28 and it was it was one of the Triple H matches was the first Undertaker you know Wrestlemania match we watched together but that wasn't the only reason because we've been watching some pay-per-views before yeah beforehand and just it was he was it was when the Undertaker was not around as much but he was still there yeah but and he slowly started becoming a part-timer. Yeah. Slowly. Now he's just, you can get one show out of him a year. I noticed this year, though, they've definitely been pushing, um, like, he's at Survivor Series. Was he at SummerSlam? He wasn't at SummerSlam, right? No, he wasn't. No, he was at Survivor Series. Uh, he was at the Rumble. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be at WrestleMania. Yep. Wow. <laughs> this is the most we've seen him in the past few years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember you brought up something interesting, because last year, Survivor Series was the 25th. His 25th Survivor Series. Which makes him an extremely long-lasting wrestler. Which is, it's interesting because you look at him in the ring, he's not nearly as protected. Like, he's he isn't a very safe wrestler. He is a very aggressive wrestler in his matches. He takes a lot of hard bumps in, his, um, in the matches he goes through. And a lot of wrestlers that take those kind of hits for as long as he's been around don't actually stay around that long. But he... He's got a thick, thick skull and some thick skin, even in his older age. And his debut was, let me see, was it Survivor Series? Yeah, I'm fairly yeah. certain that was his first pay-per-view as the, as the Dead Man was Survivor Series way back when. Yeah, and um, then slowly the years progress. And, you know, one cool thing about his life is he has redone his character over and over again, even though technically it is the same character, but he's given different life to it. Like, you know, if you go to the uh, the, the Ministry of Darkness or whatever, then you go to Dead Man Inc., and then you go into what he's doing now. Which it's, it's funny to see him do that, too, because whenever he progresses, he takes at least a little bit of something from the thing he was before and adds that to what he, like, how he changes it. Where some, some people... They have one gimmick, and then they change to something completely different. You look at, you know, Kane, who went from the Demon Kane to Corporate Kane, two totally different people. But The Undertaker, you know, he goes from the, you know, the original Dead Man to, you know, the Ministry of Darkness, which was like a more 
elaborate sort of um, version of that. Then you go to, even when he was Biker Taker, Dead Man Inc., it was, you took that, the he never he never wore anything but black, honestly. That was, <laughs> and he, well, was he, purple. He, he did have the denim shirt. Yeah. He, he did rock that for a while. Or um, he still rocked all black, but he had the shirt over with the, the no sleeves, no nothing on it, mm-hmm. so he can rip it off and... Oh man, just Undertaker in general is just is just awesome. Which, like you, you really can't the the nostalgia and how phenomenal he he is, especially when you look at his career. And I know lately you've been rewatching a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I do have to say it's it's amazing to watch how agile, at least especially in the beginning, even through you know through these last couple years he's been extremely agile compared to most men his size and you know looking back on it there's a very good reason is if you look at his life before wrestling he was actually going to be a basketball star and he shows it with how he wrestles he is a very athletic and he can jump for a guy like some of his shoulder tackles he does he'll just get some good air on it but he uh (laughs) He has one of the least changing move sets. Unfortunately, would probably be my biggest criticism for him as a wrestler is that his move sets over the years haven't evolved that much. And if you watch some of his earlier matches, a lot of his moves weren't actually like people didn't know what to call them. But there was, you know, there was his iconic Tombstone pile driver that everyone knew. But a lot of his early matches. The old school wasn't called old school for a long time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was probably current school at the time. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> as, as he aged, as he aged, then they called it old school. Yeah. Um, fun fact, uh, Doug schooled me on um, what the uh, tombstone was originally called. Oh, yes. It's um, whenever he would use it in a match. And this seems kind of foreboding for how the streak was ended. But they used to call it Tombstone City. Which was um that's pretty that's pretty cool in um a lot of ways like it it foretold the future of what was coming for for a lot of things which and also if you look at it though like the biggest difference between that and Suplex City nobody got up from Tombstone City like that was a one and done in any of his matches was the first Tombstone hit nobody kicked out of it and now you watch it you know he hit. Brock Lesnar with, I think, three tombstones in that match and mm. still didn't get him down in either of their matches or any of the three matches. He's hit him with multiple tombstones and did not take him down. And you just look at it and go, that's not right. Because <laughs> if he can take down Hulk, um, eh. if he can take down Hulk Hogan with one tombstone, then there's no way anyone should be able to get out of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this right now. Is Hulk Hogan part of his streak or no? No, 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 no. Okay, I know, did, I know he faced I know he yeah. faced Mr. Hogan. Yeah, he, he actually lost to Hogan a few times too, if yeah. I recall. But, no, he was, you know, but I'm, I'm just saying, if one Doomstone can take out that big of a legend, then, you know, the fact that three can't. I mean... I remember the first time I saw the Tombstone. Um, I, I don't, I think he was wrestling a like Joe Schmo. But it was it was one of those iconic things. Where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" That he just he just put that dude's head into the mat, broke his neck, or you know. And I think it was during um I think the best person that sold it was Undertaker, not Undertaker, um Jr. Oh yeah, 
JR, by God, you know. <laughs> Which, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but today's announcers can't match up to JR's calls on The Undertaker. Yeah. I mean, him versus McFoley when he threw him. Oh, the man. You just, hear, you just hear him on the outside, just, my God, somebody stop the match. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> Get somebody out here. Him. Get somebody out here. Yeah. And, um, oh, yes, the, the Hell in a Cell. I showed a friend of mine that match the other day, and he was blown away. Well, and they, and that's one of the many times that I say he was not a safe wrestler, and he made it very far. He has made it very far. He's still going this year, but he's made it very far for someone that has taken so many risks. And you look at his opponent, McFoley. McFoley can't wrestle anymore, unfortunately, just because. And you see it, and just the the fact that you don't see the Undertaker having deteriorated the same way yeah. that a lot of wrestlers back then have, and being synonymous with with a lot of different certain matches in wrestling, especially the Hell in a Cell. And the Buried Alive, which I don't think he's ever won a Buried Alive. (laughs) He's won a few casket matches, but anything synonymous with something evil, it's pretty much The Undertaker is one of the the big names when you think of it. And, you know, and I think um, if you go back, especially to the Hell in a Cell, one of my favorite matches, which is kind of overdone now, I feel like they should go back to... I know it's a pay-per-view I th- I feel like th- I wish they would go back to it like they it came up every once in a while. That was the cool thing, mm-hmm. especially like uh, when under when uh, when Shawn Michaels and uh, HBK and all of a sudden they're like you know what I'm gonna face you in the hell in the cell. Then you saw the the terror in, in like Triple H's face or even like Undertaker coming back say we're gonna wrestle in the hell in the cell and mm-hmm. it was one of those spontaneous matches that popped up every once in a while that gave that edge because they're like oh man they're gonna kill each other. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, and that's also like the, the more rough matches aren't in this, in this era that we are in now, aren't nearly as hardcore as they used to be. And it's disappointing to see stuff like that when you, uh, you know, you get so used to the crimson mask that comes in during these matches and uh, now they're just so, hey, you know, the moment somebody's bleeding, we have to stop the show. And you're like, wow, if that had been true, The Undertaker probably would not be nearly as famous <laughs> as he is. I miss the Crimson Mask, honestly. I I think the Crimson Mask gave gave the edge to a lot of those matches, especially with um with uh, who who did Taker fight in the Hell in a Cell? It was him and Brock. Yeah. Uh, when um he was the dead Dead Man Inc. and he had the the um. What do you call it? Uh, the I, I can't think. Arm, oh, yeah, the arm cast and okay. like how brutal like Brock Lesnar was being with it, just be smashing in the arm cast and it came falling apart. And you think you can't do that now? No, 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 no. <laughs> and that's it's an unfortunate thing more about modern wrestling more than the people that wrestle modernly. You know, because you can't you can't hold it against the people that are wrestling. It's the corporation and how they want their, you know. They're shirtless, muscular, sweaty men holding each other and throwing each other to be kid-friendly now, which isn't an issue, but it's more bothersome when you get, you you still have the pay-per-view Hell in a Cell, you still have, you know, the Elimination Chamber again, and you can't have things as hardcore as they used to be. Like, they're, they're far more, what's the right word? tranquil than they should be yeah and i don't know and it's it's disappointing to see stuff like that well you know you you've gone from the attitude era to now 
And when you think of Undertaker matches, when when they would be so brutal, or you know, we were talking about this today at one of the WrestleManias, him against Big Boss Man and hanging them. It was a Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. Then hanging him inside and hanging him. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the match, and it was just like, oh my god, you're never ever gonna see that. No, and I was actually honestly a little surprised to see that at the time. Honestly, <laughs> that's that's almost too much just for TV in general, pay per view or not. But but no, and you, the thing about Undertaker though, when it comes to those kind of things, they are made for him. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see the progression. And you, you actually see him evolve with each era that we go through. You know, he had the biker thing during the Attitude Era. That was kind of dumb. But he was still a hardcore wrestler. Like... Like, you knew not the best with that guy. No, and that's... Uh, that's Lord just, of Ministry of Darkness. Oh, I used to love when his... Uh, especially the feud with McMahon, the McMahons and how he kidnapped Stephanie or the iconic... Um, you know, kidnapping Stephanie in the um, the limousine, where he would turn like you know he's driving in. He's like, ah, welcome to hell. <laughs> yeah, and that's and you you know another one I like. It's uh, the the buried alive with him versus Kane when he was still biker taker. We were talking about that one, where that was the end of biker taker. That was the end of you know that's how that's how they chose to get rid of a persona, and that I mean. If, if you're going to come back being buried alive and then coming back as the dead man again, that works, especially when your return is during a WrestleMania, which I think that is hands down out of all of his entrances I've seen him do probably the best. Yeah. And the longevity of just him being around for so long and how many big names he's worked with, how many, how many people he's put over, how many people, you know, that he's just had great matches with. And one, here's one that came into mind is like his big old feud with John Cena when John Cena was, uh, the doctor of thugonomics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember the icon, like he's doing a promo, Cena's doing a promo in the graveyard and it's Taker's thing. And like, he's doing his little rap or whatever. Then he turns around and he pisses on Undertaker's grave. And I'm like, ah, I missed that John Cena too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know what though is, is that, you know, he puts people over better than almost anyone else, which is why I'm kind of worried about this year's WrestleMania of him versus Roman Reigns. Like the, the theory of him versus Roman Reigns, because I think that might be too far for him to put over. Like, you know, and it's, it's funny to compare his career to triple H to compare, you know, Undertaker to triple H because one of them buries people figuratively. The other one does it literally. And then, you know, triple H, he tries to put people over sometimes, but he will bury those people just as fast sometimes Mm -hmm. where Undertaker, I mean, he buried a few people through his career and I'm talking figuratively on this yeah. one, but he put over so many people that we now know and love. And I mean, he soon became an icon of this is what you want to be in wrestling. Like people talk about rock. They talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, in the attitude mm. era talk about John Cena, you know, you know, an undertaker's name will always come up. Like, he will. And he, probably has one of the most iconic and like crowd popping entrances of anybody in the WWE where, you know, the moment you hear that gong, everything goes crazy. Like, and you know, you've got the rock who he's, 
He's just as much a part-timer as The Undertaker is now. The if you smell, you know. Yeah, like, you know, his his song is literally called Electrifying. Yeah. But, but you just, they will know that and they will cheer for that. But just when The Undertaker comes out, you know something's going to happen that's amazing. And, you know. Well, it, I, then I think, too, when it goes back to, like, making his entrances, entrances special, at the biggest show of the shows is WrestleMania, and I think the coolest one for me was uh, WrestleMania 30, even though that's where the streak died, uh, when he had all the caskets on on the on the stage and had everybody's name who ever lost in the streak mm-hmm. on both sides, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then they had the empty casket, of course, for Brock Lesnar, but. Uh, and just, you know, the fire, the lights going down real low, the smog, even though it does take him forever to get to the ring. I remember, here's a good story. I remember when we went to WrestleMania 26, my brother, like, he, uh, he really had to go pee. And Taker hit. Everyone blew up. He's like, I'll be right back. And he took off. <laughs> and then he came back and he was only halfway down the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, you know, you know, and for his entrance, it is one of the most simplistic things. That for except for except for WrestleMania, I will admit that some of his are pretty elaborate at WrestleMania. But when it comes to his just normal one, it's such a simplistic thing. Like you'll see people when their music hits, they come busting out from the back, just dancing, go to one side of the entrance ramp, then go to the other side and go like all like jolly and jumpy and the Batista has this thing where he like jumps and, you know, part of his music he does the mini machine gun thing. Yeah. But the Undertaker, he is just so meticulous. And it's, I swear, like, it's so unnerving. Just, it gives you goosebumps every time you do, like, you hear it and you see it. Just because, as simple as it is, it fits the character so perfectly that you cannot help but kind of be in awe of it. And uh, I was <laughs> I was having a, a conversation with my wife earlier, because we were watching this year's Royal Rumble again. And his entrance goes off. The lights go out. And you just see, like, the pyro go out in the front, the um, the clouds behind on the Jumbotron, stuff like that, and just nobody comes out. And then, next thing you know, the lights come up, he's standing behind Goldberg, about, you know, halfway across the ring from Goldberg, and Goldberg just slowly looks back and sees him. And I just look at my wife and go, you know, I have to respect Goldberg's, you know... His, his ability to hold himself with that. Because if it was me, I'd be as giddy as a schoolgirl at that point. Just like, it's him. I, yeah, I've, I've heard some awesome stories. Like, heard some awesome stories where people have faced an Undertaker. And they said that sometimes it's so hard because they're like, holy crap, holy crap, I'm wrestling Undertaker. Um, who was a good one? Uh, it was um, a younger guy. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't CM Punk. It was somebody else. So then, oh, Jericho. Chris Jericho talked about it. Younger guy? He's like five years younger than the I know Undertaker. What, he was, what he's talking about when he actually faced Undertaker, He uh, uh-huh. how much respect he had for him. And, and he goes, just seeing the, the lights go off and then the music hits. And he goes, he gets, he gets goosebumps. And he's just like, oh, I want to nerd out so bad, but I got to, I'm this murder character, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, um, I think even Cena's even said it too back back in the day. He goes, "Just wrestling Undertaker was an honor and a privilege," and I still wish we got a WrestleMania Cena Taker match. <laughs> See, and and you know what? I would kind of be fine with that because if you if you look at the record, under or um, WrestleMania is one of those times that Cena can lose, and it's not a huge deal most of the time. Like he he he's not as bad as Triple H, but his record is one of the worst ones in WrestleMania. 
Like, he's got some really good big matches, but he loses quite a bit. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Like, for him, for how well his 364 days of the year, him being the top of the company, for him to have to, you know, take it one day a year on the big show, cool. And that normally is the reverse, too. If you've seen him had a bad year, he's going to win at that WrestleMania. So, I mean, it's it's unfortunately a bit predictable with him, but with Undertaker, you know, I you watch him all year long, and, I mean, he he wins, he loses, but he's always entertaining. Like mm-hmm. he he has this presence in the ring, and he is not nearly as slow as most of the big men in that ring. Now he can move, and um, everything from old school to um, the li- just little details he does, like when he's like in that boxing stance, uh-huh. <laughs> it just says his shots. You know, it's like, oh, that looks devastating. Well, and you know, you know what a good match <laughs> that that on paper doesn't really seem like the greatest of matches was him versus Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, cause you, it's it's most of the time when you see Rey Mysterio face someone big, it's typically a power versus speed match, and you know, most of the time. Unless it's a big thing, Rey Mysterio will typically lose those. But you, him versus Taker, I think it was at a Royal Rumble a couple years back. Um, it was it was speed versus speed. Like the <laughs> he tried to do a lot of his high flying moves on the Taker, and the Taker would just dodge half of them. And the other ones, it would just show the power of the Undertaker. And that's I think he was one of the best all around in his prime, one of the best all around wrestlers because he was a big man with speed and strength. And his suicide dives to the outside. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I think the only person that I I would say is better at suicide dives to make him look more appropriately named suicide dives is probably Big E. Yeah, because Big E will do things that make you wonder if he actually did live. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen Big E take some. Pretty bad, pretty bad bumps and <laughs> and botch mm-hmm. botch a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes to like when Undertaker did the suicide dive with uh, Shawn Michaels at um, WrestleMania 25, and he looks like he kills the cameraman. Yeah, because <laughs> no, Shawn Michaels is a jerk and just pulls the cameraman in front of him. <laughs> you know that that brings me to kind of an interesting thought on the dynamic of a lot of the Undertaker matches. The Undertaker, you like it's it's his persona kind of dictates if he's a good guy or bad guy, but. His dead man really wasn't a good guy or a bad guy. Like, if you look at his final one, if you look at um, Biker Taker, Dead Man Inc., he was kind of a bad guy. He yeah. was he was a jerk. He, you know, but that was the time. And that was, he was still a face most of that. And, like, that's the whole Attitude Era is, as the name states, if you have an attitude, you're probably one of the good guys. If you're a mindless drone that works for someone, you're one of the bad guys. Well, you know, you can look at that era, just Stone Cold Steve Austin fighting the authority. and Well, it wasn't the authority. authority. Yeah. He was fighting authority before it was the authority. Mm-hmm. You know, he was cool in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And then The Rock would do the same thing. Yeah. And then he joined, and you knew he was a bad guy. Then. Yeah. The moment he joined and became one of the people working for him. But The Undertaker was, he was kind of the rebel in a lot of it against both sides. He wasn't a good guy. He wasn't a bad guy. And... It's it's interesting to watch him because now he's obviously a face one way or another. There's no way you're putting him as a heel because... No one's going to boo him. No I'm one's gonna... going to boo him. <laughs> he is going to be the most popular person in that match no matter who you put him against. Well, what's really cool is like... Uh, well, what's really cool and what I really didn't really care for was... Um, what do you call it? Uh, during the Shane McMahon and Taker build... 
I I like how Shane was using certain promos against him. And then uh, there was that iconic line from him, in my mind, iconic, when he goes, oh, yeah, you're just Vince McMahon's bitch right now. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> which, which, if you look at it from a corporate standpoint, it really is true. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's it has been true for the last, like, 10 years at least that he hasn't really been an independent like side on either of them he has been oh my gosh he has the streak it's going to draw seats to the crowd or oh my gosh he's just showing up in general it's going to draw people to the crowd so vince is going to use that to the best he can but you look at it from an in-ring perspective he is his own like he he unfortunately is what most people hate in being a part-timer but at his age, we should be lucky he's an any-timer. Uh, yeah, and you know, and I, I don't think it's uh, anybody would be mad at him either because of how much he's res- how much how many good stories I hear of how he's respected so much in the locker room, mm-hmm. and how he is like he's the go-to guy mm-hmm. for anything, you know. And I remember hearing weird stories about how they would have WWE court. Um, Edge talks about it all the time and he goes, Taker would usually be there and Taker would just like look around and just shake his head and be like, this is stupid and bullshit. No, uh, you know, sorry my language. But then he would walk out and then, uh, Edge is like, that is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> he goes, this guy just said BS, you know, this is BS. Why are we even doing this? And he'll walk out. He goes, if he had a problem with somebody, he would walk out and be like, kid, don't do that. And when, when you hear him say that, you're like, Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, and, and you know what? That's that's twenty some odd years of him being around that has earned that. Like, <laughs> you get people that walk in there that try to run the place right when they walk in in the first place. That that's not something that's going to be enjoyed by anybody. And that person is going to you know either not last long or not going to enjoy the time they are there. But the Undertaker has put in so much time. He is he is such a respected veteran for all the things he's done. People are going to listen when he says, hey, this is not how I feel this is going. Which is why, you know, it's I'm not appreciative of how the streak ended, but I feel like he had a say in it. Well, he, uh, from when I was, I remember reading just certain things and hearing different stories, I guess he wanted Brock to end the streak. But he wanted Brock to end the streak long, way before 30. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I think it was like WrestleMania 18 or 17. He was talking about breaking the streak or something like that and giving it to Brock. Mm-hmm. But it never happened because they, they knew they could um, they could pan it out more. Yeah. And that's I mean, that is the most unfortunate part of his career is, you know, he has done so many things. You have to wonder how how long he wanted to go and then how long it just kept being. Well, I'll just go one more year. Well, I'll just go one more year. And just, you know, and just pushing it further and further and further. Or Vince. Vince is like, hey, you're my number one guy. Yeah, no. You know, let's not end it this year. I wonder how many conversations were, like, before the streak was an actual streak in that time when they made it a big deal at this point. How many times Vince is, well, Taker's like, all right, so I'm going to put him over. And Vince is all, no, no, not this one. Not this one. Let's. Let's let's keep going with this, you know. <laughs> so so we're we're gonna end our part one of part two or of two part Undertaker right here for you right now. Um I guess tune in next week and we will have part two of our Undertaker, which we will be talking primarily about the streak, our least and best matches that we 
our least and best, our, <laughs> our, least, <laughs> our least favorite and most favorite matches out of that, and how we think it should have been booked. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, there's so much to go on for the Undertaker. This is why we're breaking it down into two parts. But um, everybody, check out um, what's it called, the Social Vent Podcast this Friday with me and Phil Magania. Um And everybody, check out Wrestling Junkies, which is every Wednesday. Uh, from and is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, well, uh, I plugged it last week, but I'll plug it again. If you would like a satirical and funny take on the current world of wrestling, I would suggest looking on YouTube for Little Karibo's The Mark Remark. It is quite a fascinating and satirical take, and I very much enjoy it. suffer. And most importantly, you will rest in peace.